0: Welcome back to another episode of the Pressing Forward Podcast. On today's episode, today's guest is going to be Shayla Aries, who is a licensed family therapist in the state of New York. And uh, today's topic is going to be mental health disparities um, in marginalized communities and sort of exploring some of the factors that contribute to that and also um, help seeking behaviors and and different topics along those ranges as well. So let's dive right into it. Okay, uh welcome back to another episode of the Press Support Podcast. Um, on today's episode, it's a very important topic. Um, so today's topic, we're just gonna be talking about um, you know, mental health in in marginalized communities and kind of what that means and the stigma behind that. And on today's episode, we have a special guest, um, Sheila Aries. Am I saying that right? The last name right? Did I say that right?
1: Actually, my first name is pronounced Shayla because Shayla, it's Spanish, Shayla. but yeah, so Shayla Arias,
0: yes. <laughs> Shayla Arias, okay, so I'll I let you uh, introduce yourself to let the people know who you are, you know, your area of expertise and things like that, so. Yeah,
1: so I'm Shayla Arias, I'm a licensed marriage and family therapist, state of New York and New Jersey. Um, I work with different populations, but a lot of my expertise has been with the immigrant population, particularly children and youth. Um, For post grad, I've done a lot of couples, um, BIPAC communities, LGBTQ um, communities, um, well, marginalized communities as this episode is going to be about. And yeah, I'm all about relationships and systems. So as we go into it, um, that's the framework that I have when it comes to mental health and any symptoms that come up for, for most individuals and families.
0: Gotcha, gotcha. So, I mean, you guys heard the uh, the expertise, um, but um, so yeah, I'll just start off with the first question. So w- what are some factors that you feel like contribute to uh, mental health concerns in um, marginalized communities?
1: There's a lot, <laughs> right? Um, but a few of them, of course, is poverty, right, financial hardships, it's huge one. And whenever there's spaces of financial hardships, there's lack of resources, which means um, there isn't the support in schools for children or in workplaces, discrimination, community violence, um, immigration status, right? So that's a big one that sometimes we're not aware of. And lack of safety, right? And When I say safety, not only physical safety, but emotional safety as well. Um, particularly with children, and then we can somehow go into how that, you know, transitions into adulthood.
0: And in, in the work that you do, how do you kind of see that affecting um, some of the individuals that you work with on a day-to-day basis?
1: So when clients reach out consultation. I- emails the same way as you reach out to me through psychology today i get a lot of hey i've been experiencing depression and anxiety right these are the two symptoms i like to say symptoms um yeah there is the clinical diagnosis of it i don't like to um pathologize a lot of these things because depression and anxiety are part of the human experience their emotions just like excitement happiness anger right etc so With that being said, when I get that, I'm always curious of the root cause or at least what's happening in this individual or this couple or this family's lives that is contributing to the symptoms, right? So cultural narratives, racial, socioeconomic, right? Gender narratives. These are all factors that I always ask questions and I become curious in um, because we're part of systems, right? We're either part of a biological family, we're part of a community. We're part of educational institutions, right? We're part of systems within our work. Um, And because of that, there's always other things that connect. And it's not just the individual. So that's why I say I'm a relational systemic therapist, because I know that individuals are part of something bigger. Um, So with that being said... Going back to, I guess, the original question is these are the so, that's how some of the things come up for the clients that I that reach out and that I work with um in seeing how it's not just the individual, right? There's more than that that can be impacting, like I said with poverty, right crime, community violence, but even deeper, right discrimination, immigration status, um gender is a big one, right? And yeah. I think that follows up um so the next few questions but particularly i think the lack of safety and this is a lot of yes the physical aspect but more the emotional
0: too yeah so i you touched on a lot of different things that you talked about um you know uh, racial discrimination being a um, contributing factor um you talk about financial um or the lack of financial um resources being a factor in mental health so these are all things that you see on a day-to-day basis when um in marginalized communities or communities that um you know have people of minority or um just people who don't have those resources right and one of the things that has been shown that um black women experience higher levels of mental health conditions but yet they aren't the ones that are seeking the help that they need why is that why do you feel that is?
1: This idea that we have to have all, our shit together, right? As women, particularly women of color, showing any some, any sign of vulnerability, quote unquote equates to, to weakness oh, yeah. and to be able to not put ourselves out there. Um, we think we have to figure it out on our, by ourselves, right? Not seeking out support from either close loved ones, right friends, um, but also accessibility right it not being accessible yes more now but i think there's still a lot of work that has to go on which you know later on we can go more into details but particularly i think women of color it, it goes back to this idea that we need to have it figure it out on our own Um, and because of that there is this fear right of reaching out for support or the idea, right? The stigma that therapy is for crazy people or mm-hmm. you need to have a deep, like psychological problem. At least, like, I'm Dominican, right? So in Dominican Republic, there's no such thing as really, yeah, there's like, um, couples therapists and stuff, but for the most part, it's like psychiatrists and psychologists. Yeah. So no one really seeks out help. Oh. There's like huge behavior issues, um, or very psychological issues, not just, life stressors, right? And, and things like that. So that's the the next layer of it is the fact that there's a stigma of if I'm reaching out, then I must be crazy. But not only that, I've been taught that my problems is either average out on my own or with my family. Like a stranger shouldn't know my issues.
0: Got you. Got you. And even in that, I was just thinking while he's talking, um, for even when you're coming from these communities, they're not the the education about mental health is not you're not getting that education in the first place. So how do they even how do they recognize some of these signs? Cause sometimes they could be um exhibiting like certain um signs of like depression or anxiety, but they don't know what to actually call it. There's no name to call it, you know. So um how do you feel like uh like how do from what you've seen with the people that you work with? Um are they able to label what they're feeling and are they able to give it like a meaning, you know, do you get what I'm trying to say?
1: Yeah, I definitely do. I mean, I think one amazing thing, it's very, I'm saying amazing because it has its pros, but then there's its cons is social media, right. And just Mm -hmm. access to the internet where before, again, you would have to go to a doctor's office and get like these clinical terms and whatnot. But now there's so much resources, free resources out there. So when I do get clients, right, that reach out, they have an idea of what they're feeling because either they have Googles, um, their symptoms, like what they're feeling, like what their thoughts, right, racing thoughts, what they're feeling in their body. And then it's like, oh, you have generalized anxiety disorder, or major depressive disorder. And I'm like, nope, that's not what you have. (laughs) You're a person who's experiencing the Prussian, right? Again, due to X, Y, and Z, right? And that's where I come in to, to explore with them what's happening within their lives currently, but also going back. Um, so yes, the fact that the internet is still accessible, um, many are able to point out, particularly, right? The newer generations, Gen Z, they're so woke, <laughs> as we know, millennials. But I've also had the privilege to work with older folks and they're also open right, the ones that have been more taught um, to not seek out help due to, again, right, the accessibility of um, the internet and just having this information, they're able to slowly become more comfortable. of I can get help. I don't have to try to do this on my own because I've tried, right, in so many different ways and nothing has worked. So for the most part, yes, they're able to identify or at least share what is happening because just the free resources that are out there now. And I think just the conversations that are happening more and more within communities.
0: And and also you said one of the things uh, was accessibility. How do they close that gap? How do you then bridge that gap between now getting people the the access that they need? Because it's not most of the people that need the help, they can't get the help. So how do you feel like what are some things that come in place, <laughs> or even just ideas? Obviously, we can't change it all. Along, you know what I mean? But
1: boy, we're gonna spend two hours talking about this. <laughs> no, <I'm kidding. laughs> it's it's interesting you saying that because one thing I've learned throughout my personal journey as a therapist is we're in the helping field, right? Yeah. Because we're in the helping field, sometimes there's this idea that that we have to go out of the kindness of our hearts. Still got to get paid. Uh, but I, I, no, no, no. I'm going to go into that, yeah. right? It's We have to go some of the kindness of our hearts, right? How dare you charge X amount of money, whatever. Yes, but I went through excessive training. I have some student loans, right? Like, I need to support my family. Like, I'm a mom of two, right? I have my family to support. I deserve to to get paid well, right? To, because of the steps, right? We don't ask doctors, like... How come you're charging this, right? Right, right. right. <laughs> we're in the same field, right? But because mental health is still pretty new, if you think about it, compared to like the physical health and all that, we're still under the medical model. And being able to, again, just reframe that narrative is important. And accessibility looks so many different ways. Eh? systems, right? I mentioned like systems is a big thing for me is being able to dismantle just the medical system because insurance companies don't like to pay. That's the reality, (laughs) right? And if you don't have some great insurance that you're paying a lot of money for, most likely you're going to have a tough time. And if you do have accessibility to reach out to specific therapists or community centers, what happens? These therapists are burnt out because they have 30 to 50 clients. That's not sustainable, right? For our own mental health. Right. Burnout is real in our field. And a lot of therapists end up leaving after two or three years of just starting off the work because of that. Right. So accessibility is a bigger monster. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, and I know I'm sure there's been you've read or you've heard conversations just of right on the client side of I can't afford therapy, I can't do that. But at the same time, for therapists, particularly that have their own business, we have to kind of have that mentality because we know what goes into it. Because even once we're licensed, we still have to continue training, right, Right. to keep up our licensure. So it's still investment and charging X amount of money, right, to make it quote unquote cheaper is not sustainable, right? So it's a bigger monster on top of us and hopefully someday we're able to get Maybe not completely close the gap, but sorry, yeah. you know, diminishing and getting it closer where everyone can have, right, access to mental health services, but also the therapists on the other hand are able to make a fair wage.
0: Right, and sliding scale is a thing though, right? Don't You know, some therapists do sliding scale payments and things like that, but even then it's like, does that help individuals who still don't, you know, are able to get the the help that they need?
1: Yes and no, because then that means a therapist who has sliding scale most likely has a certain amount of slots, but then has other clients who are paying more to kind of compensate. Gotcha. Right.
0: Got you.
1: So yeah, sliding scales, there's I know like um open path is an organization that's really good that they charge a certain amount, right? Um, per session and it becomes more accessible. But at the end of the day, it's about insurance companies um, not only what they're paying, but paying the therapist on time. Cause I can see you today, but sometimes I won't see your, the actual money from your session until two weeks later, or even three or even months, because it takes them time to, to, you know, to process claims. And that's the part that, right. The day-to-day person doesn't know. Um, and it's not about that. I have to give you this information when you start working with me, but, um, I hope that information is also put out there that we're not charging some amount of money because we want to get rich off of this. It's because yeah. there's we're in a double bind.
0: Yeah. So even for for people when they want to look out and, and you know reach out for a, a therapist, um, what does that process look like? How do I find a therapist? How do I find somebody who understands me? How do how does that process look?
1: I mean, the process is different for everyone, right? If you want someone who looks like you right and for the most part that's something that we all want right where um you have some idea of yeah. my story is there's sites like um therapy for black girls um what's the other that i always forget but like psychology today you can put filters right you're able to do that and then put in your insurance because when you call your insurance and they'll give you a whole list of providers yeah but most of the time that list is not up to date. So either you have therapists that aren't practicing, you don't know what they look like. You don't know if there's a wait list or not, right? It's just a name and a number. So that's hard. But again, going back to the, having the internet and and just having these platforms, it helps to get more of a sense of who am I looking for, right? And through these profiles, you're able to see the framework that the therapist uses, what they look like, if they take insurance, if not, if it's out of network benefits, right? Like all these different things. So essentially Google, <laughs> right? Okay. The internet um, really helps in this and wow. word of mouth, right? If you have, you know, um, colleagues, friends, right, who, who are in therapy, they always can recommend because I've gotten clients like that too.
0: Okay. And so how important would you say it is to have a uh, culturally competent care?
1: Super important. Um, I say super important because at least for me, I'm not going to speak for anyone else. Mm -hmm. The most important thing for me when working with my clients is having a trusting relationship. If you don't trust me as a client, it's going to be very hard for us to go into places that is required right to really create this healing process so building trust and rapport with my clients is essential Mm -hmm. and having the knowledge of the narratives right that have shaped my client's experience is very important Obviously, I'm not going to know every single culture out there, yeah, yeah. but I'm always willing to learn, right? Not only from the client, because it's not the client's job to tell me, oh, this is what Dominicans do, or this is what Asians do, or whatever, right? That's not their job. But also further educating myself, again, through trainings goes back to the investment that we continue to do as therapists, on um, how I can continue to support this client. So it is super important. Top. Gotcha.
0: And um, one of the things that um uh, I was gonna ask as well um was, let's say that you're somebody who's experienced abuse or from a young age, and you're constantly in like a, a constant state of you know anxiety. Um, how does that affect your daily functioning and your long term uh, functioning overall?
1: Hmm. It affects a lot, right? Because there's plenty of resources out there and just research just how childhood adversities affect the brain, the physical body, right? And because it affects our physiological, we get triggered easily, right? So you might not be thinking about an experience that you would not, you know, had as a kid, but your body will. Right. Um there's this great book. I always forget the author, but it's called The Body Keeps Score. Mm. And because of that the blue book, right?
0: It's like a blue yes. book. Yes. And there's
1: yeah, there's a work a worksheet, like mm-hmm. worksheet book too as well. But with that, um the body keeps score it means essentially, right? If you grew up in an environment where there was so much stress, or any high stress, your body had to get used to that. Right. And although you grew up, you maybe moved out of that environment and everything, anything that resembles right that spacing your body's going to remember right i just like i don't know why i'm so shaky why i'm hypervigilant or like my body's tense yeah, yeah, yeah um your brain is not able to process a lot of that but your body is right and that somatic part is super important particularly for individuals who have experienced a lot of trauma right physical sexual abuse um and i do recommend that i do get any clients to get some of that work or I refer out, right? Because I'm not a somatic, my expertise is not a somatic work, but I do work with them to learn coping skills, right? And also using the space to process a lot of this, right? Um, so yes, constant state of anxious, you know, anxiousness affects daily lives and long-term, right? Um, because aside from that, this child also learned how to cope with these stressors. And most of the time, these coping mechanisms aren't sustainable, right? It worked as a child. This is either let me hide under my bed, right? Let me disassociate, right? My dad is screaming at me or whatever the case may be. Let me zone out, all of these things. But as we become older, these behaviors look different, right? The numbing, the avoidance, the running away. Is not sustainable. So would you so, say that's
0: more? Sorry, I'm sorry to cut you off. Would you know, you say more so a survival thing, rather than having actual tools.
1: Yes. So it's a survival, right? It's a coping mechanism. It's you not know. destructive. is not a constructive one, but it is a survival, right? That I love the word used because it is a survival mechanism, right? That we all, I think, all humans for the most part learn, depending on our experience, right, throughout childhood and adolescent years, how to cope with things. But then as we get older, we start to see how those coping mechanisms, survival mechanisms no longer function, right? They don't serve us. So then we have to learn new ones and we have to be aware of how they show up because for the most part, they're going to be pretty automatic. We've been, I've been, right? I've been ghosting people when I'm dating all the time and that's because what I've been doing most of my, my dating life, then that requires a lot of pausing and awareness, right? To to make sure I can call that behavior out, and ask, and become curious of how come I'm doing this, right? Um, I'm all about family of origin work, so I use a lot of that framework yeah. in working with my clients of what were these behaviors look like within your family system, right? Um, what did he, you know? What did you do as a kid when you would see fighting or anything that was scary, right? Kind of going into that mix of figuring out how this survival mechanism right was constructed essentially
0: so even even in raising their awareness how do you get an individual to even like how do you raise an individual's awareness to know like when they're behaving a certain way that it's more so survival or maybe how do you get them to reframe their the way they go about certain behaviors and the work that you- i ask
1: them hmm well, one, um, that's why the building rapport and trust is so important. And I like to use the word, and some of my clients laugh because humor is super important to me too <laughs> in our work. Is mm, I think I'm going to call out bullshit, right? Especially so, like uh, a lot of my clients are like women of color in the 20s, 30s, right? Who are dating and all of that. And as we know, the way we, we behave and the things we learn from my family system. Shows up in our romantic relationships because they're both intimate relationships. So as I start hearing stuff, I'm like, can I call out something, right? And then I'll call out the behavior. And then with calling out the behavior, i start asking questions to really bring in the client into becoming curious. So how come you think you thought this, right? Because essentially in our past sessions, you've been telling me that you want to show up this way, right? Yeah. So I really invite them in and that has them like, hmm, you're right, I wonder why I did that." I did that because of this reminds me from of a past partner, right? Or I was very anxious. And to protect myself, I end up like ghosting, right? And avoiding and, and yeah. et cetera. So awareness is being able to question and kind of challenge this thought, right? When I use the word challenge, it's not like, hey, so what are you doing that, right? Yeah. It's more like, I really want you to become curious of that behavior or that thought process, right? How come this and not this, right? And I always start to suggest, right, based on what they've um, informed me. And how can we start to reframe that? So it's calling out, <laughs> for lack of a better term, right? Kind of bring, because that's my job, is if I see patterns, I'm going to call them out because that's part of the awareness process.
0: And like you and said, you, awareness- guys a, you guys have built that connection with each other to where you can actually call them out on, on that.
1: Yeah, I'm not gonna do that with the yeah, client yeah, that yeah. we've been yeah, for the most part, if we've been working like what, three, six months, no, this is like long term. So individual therapy for me is pretty long term with clients. Yeah. Um, versus maybe like couples. But yeah, it's after a while and I start to sense, right, if this client, right? And I might use the word bullshit, but I might say like, hey, can I cause you um I've been tracking some of patterns right and i want to bring this out because i saw this right this it sounds like it really resembles the dynamic you had with like your mom or your dad right so i can also frame them that way so it depends on right the the relationship i have with my client but i am pretty confident in myself to still call out but just the way i do it just differs on the client
0: okay cassie And what are some practical things that maybe an individual can do on their own to, I guess, raise their uh, level of awareness?
1: I mean, I'm sure you've heard this, journaling, right? (laughs) It's such a light cliche, but writing is such a powerful tool, right? Because as we know, our minds, I don't know what the number is. I see we have only a few minutes left, so I'll talk quickly. We have a million thoughts that go through our minds. And if if we engage with all of them, that's what causes the overthinking and the anxiousness, right? Because our brain is like an overload. So being able to release it, right? That's why talk therapy is also effective because you're processing um, the writing is so effective because you're able to see what's happening in your mind. And then you get to ask yourself questions based on whatever you wrote, right? And you're able to go deeper into that. So like I do provide a lot of journal prompts to clients um, to do in between sessions to sit with themselves based on what's happened in their mind, but also on what we spoke about in session and kind of reflecting and connecting the two. So writing is a big tool that I highly suggest, if not all, but most of my clients, um, to sit with themselves, right? And start reflecting and, and like, you know, like you said, bring up that, that awareness on their own as well. Cause sometimes they're able to connect dots that us two can in
0: session. So yeah, yeah. that's helpful. Okay. And um, I guess uh, you said the time and everything. So I just want to be cognizant of the time. So um, what a, you know, a bit of advice or usually how we end the show is um, leaving the audience with one piece of advice. So um, what would that advice be to people? What would you like to leave um, with the audience?
1: Um, I'm not too fond of the word advice, but I use suggestion. (laughs) Suggestion, okay. Suggestion. Yeah. um, It's scary, right? And I know many of us, depending on our cultural, right, gender backgrounds, all these different factors, um, asking for help is scary. But it's the best thing we can do is investing in ourselves. And mental health is that. We invest in the stock market. We invest in relationships. Mm -hmm. We invest in buying homes. Is that guaranteed? No, right? Because the stock market goes up and down, right? Right. You know, properties can crash, relationships can end, but the investment in yourself is guaranteed because you know you're putting in the work and you're going to see that flourish. So that's one thing. And the next thing is getting out. We need to connect to nature. getting out. So we need to get out. And I say get out is connecting to nature. Like I live in Jersey City, which is New York City essentially. Right. If you live in a big city, it's hard. But just stepping out, feeling the fresh air. The sun is so essential. So connecting to the outdoors however we can is so essential for our mental health because physically we need that. I
0: love that. I love that. Um, And you talk about getting outside. I think that's also helpful because I don't think people know, but like you get what vitamin D when you get in the sunlight. So that's that's always good to uh you know raise your raise your energy, raise your level. So um, where can yeah, it
1: shifts you? your 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 moods, like your moods, it stabilizes your moods. Gotcha. Right. So all
0: of that. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. So uh where can the people find you? Where
1: well they can find me at equitytherapy.com, which is the good practice I work for. They can also find me on psychology today. And I'm slowly starting to work more on my social media presence. So I won't provide because I don't have one yet. <laughs> but if we ever meet again, right, I can provide that information. But right now, equitytherapy.com equity therapy, equity and then psychology today, just looking for my name, which is Sheila Arias.
0: Gotcha. You. Thank you. I appreciate you for uh, joining me on today's show and uh, have a nice one. Thank you. Stop recording. And that wraps up today's episode. Um, if you are a new listener, be sure to, you know, follow us and subscribe so you are up to date with our next episode. Um, and if you're someone who would like to watch the visual version of this episode, it's also available on YouTube as well. Pressing forward channel, uh, you'll see it on there as well in the link below. Um, other than that, stay blessed, um, and I appreciate everyone who continues to listen, um, continues to share the episode. Uh, greatly appreciate it a blessed day.